I think that's why we're here today, that God will be glorified. Um, I don't want you to get nervous when the, when the preacher walks up with a Bible and a manual in his hand. Uh, you know, something, something might be about to happen. Uh, we'll only read half the manual this morning. Um, but I want him to turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Um, so just to, to, while you're turning there, we're going to be in verse 1 and, and look through the first 15 verses. But in case you haven't been with us, I don't want to leave you in the dust. We, we started this series two weeks ago called Receive. And what does it mean to be good receivers as believers? And so uh, the first week, uh, what, what scripture did we talk about? Right, Genesis. Yeah, it's chapter 12. Thank you. Thank you. And so in Genesis chapter 12, God makes this promise to Abram and says, I will bless you to be a blessing to others if you are faithful in getting out of your comfort zone and leaving what you know and just follow me. He says, I'm going to bless you and you're going to bless many. You're going to bless many nations. And so we, then we talked about stewardship, right? That God when we are faithful and, and we step out and do what God has called us to do and God does start blessing us, we have to be good stewards. We have to give. We have to bless others to be good stewards of what God has given us. So that was week one in a nutshell. We went all the way through Genesis 12. And then last week, uh, what did we talk about? John, yeah. So uh, we talked about Jesus and the woman at the well. And if you remember, I drank lots of water. Uh, should have got a smaller glass, but I drank a lot of water last week. And the, the, the point of that was to show that the source never runs out. That, that the living water, truly, we can, can just continue coming back to the source and never thirst of anything again. And so we talked about that. We talked about salvation, being good recipients of salvation. And, and how Jesus just gave it freely to this woman that, that he shouldn't even be talking to. But he offers her an opportunity to give and tells her, hey, can you give me a drink of water? So it's her receiving started with her opportunity to give. So she gives and then or she kind of questions it and, that, and that's, that's how the story unfolds. And, um, and so we talked about Jesus offering salvation and, and us being good stewards of our salvation. We talked about not just the fact that we're saved from hell, but we're also saved for something. We're saved for the mission of God in the world to continue to bless others. So today, that leads us into Matthew chapter 10. Uh, and, and we'll start in verse 1 there. Uh, you can stay seated as, as I read this because I might, might pause. Um, but Matthew chapter 10, we're going to hear Jesus uh, giving his disciples some, some, a mission here. So Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits. And to heal every disease and sickness, these are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any, any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. We could have sang that song this morning too. 
Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your presence return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off of your feet. For truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say thanks be to God. Um, I won't really talk about this anymore, but at the end there, Sodom and Gomorrah, if you're not familiar in the Old Testament, that was just the worst of the worst. I mean, they were doing anything and everything that didn't look like God, and uh, being worse than Sodom and Gomorrah would be pretty terrible. Well, today we're going to talk about receiving power, because that's, that's what Jesus gives to the disciples here. And, and we're going to talk about sanctification. This, last week we talked about salvation, and now we're going to talk about sanctification. And, and receiving power and being sanctified, it'd be really easy to jump to the day of Pentecost. But in trying to keep with the calendar just a little bit, we're not there yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't come on the upper room, but yet... The disciples have received power. Interesting. What the, what the, the day of Pentecost was special and the Spirit poured out, was poured out there. Before that, Jesus is telling them, here's power and here's your message. The message was to announce the kingdom of heaven. Announcing the kingdom of heaven. The disciples didn't really understand what he meant. We, we, we don't really either. What do you mean the kingdom of heaven? But at least there was a script to follow. But Jesus starts talking real crazy here. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with skin diseases. Drive out demons. Where's the class? Where's the degree? Where's, where's the, the program on how to do this, Jesus? They're not given that. Jesus just says, go do it. And your message is, is that the kingdom of heaven is here. I think the disciples are quickly realizing that they've not just encountered this Jesus just so that they're, they're saved from hell. They're beginning to realize, oh my goodness, being a follower of this Jesus, some strange things are going to happen. I mean, it's cool that the Messiah is going around and healing and doing all these things that the Messiah does, but now the Messiah is telling me to do it. The Messiah is giving me power and saying, go do this, because there's work to do. When we receive salvation, it's not that we've come to the end of our journey, but rather that we've reached a mile marker along this road. And in the, in the Church of the Nazarene, we refer to the sanctification as a second work of grace, just a second mile marker. And sanctification is not the end of our journey. For it's by grace that we have been saved... And if it's by grace, and it is by grace that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and set apart for God's work. So, um, 
I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about sanctification, and if it feels like I'm teaching, it's probably because I am. But, but we'll get back and, and kind of close all this, and, and hopefully it makes sense. And if not, just come back next week, and we'll talk about something different. But I, I want to talk a little bit about what we do believe about sanctification. Uh, and so Courtney graciously put Article 10 on, on a slide for us today. If you don't know, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have an, uh, the Articles of Faith. Um, and, and so Article 10 is, is the article on sanctification. Uh, and so it's, it's listed in our Nazarene manual. And oddly enough, um, so this, I, I prepared to preach this message a couple weeks ago. I knew we were going to sanctification. We talk about Article 10. On Thursday morning this week, I get to the office and I check my email. And I have an email from somebody that I've never met before that I got my info from our church website and he emails me with legitimate questions about Article 10. Our manual is this thick. And he asked me about the one thing that we were going to talk about today. And I hmm. What I really wanted to say was, let's just get coffee and talk. Because anything I type is just, it's not going to do it justice. You're going to have more questions. And so um, pray for that, if you will, as, as I have a conversation with him. And, uh, and he really seems interested in this. And, and so, but... Today we're going to talk about sanctification and what we believe and what we don't believe. One of the things that we do believe about sanctification is that it means that we're set apart. That we're sanctified, meaning set apart. What is Jesus doing with the disciples in this story? He's setting them apart for something. He's saying, and, and I love that in, in Matthew's text, he gives us the list of the disciples. He reminds us who they are. We've got Matthew the tax collector. He had another job. We've got Simon the zealot. He had another job. Uh, we got uh, Doubting Thomas. We've got uh, all these guys that were fishermen. Jesus wants to, or Matthew wanted us to remember who they were that Jesus was out, these normal, regular folks. So we believe that to be sanctified is to be set apart. As we sang this morning, we, we, were we sang about being freed from the bondage of sin. We believe that that happens in sanctification. But in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in, in, in sin kind of in two ways and in two categories. We believe in original sin, and we believe in personal sin. And so in sanctification, we believe that we are freed from the bondage of original sin, that it no longer has dominion over our lives, that it, uh, everything that we do doesn't have to be, and every choice we make doesn't have to be conflicted with sin. Uh, but that we can be freed from that and full, filled with the Spirit. Another thing that we believe about sanctification in, 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 in general is that we don't have to sin daily. There are some traditions that, that believe that sin is just part of who we are, and we ha it's going to happen every day no matter how hard we try, no matter what God does, we're just going to sin daily. We don't believe that. We, think that we, we believe that when God fills us that sin can, can be a way that, that, that God can fill us and sin does not have to be in the picture. And, all, and also when we're sanctified, that our hearts and our minds are renewed. We believe that when we're sanctified and filled with the Spirit, it, it, our desires change, our thoughts begin to change, our goals in life begin to change, because it's not about me, but it's about the Spirit. Now I want to talk about a few things that we don't believe about sanctification. 
as I talked about, we, we see salvation and sanctification as, as these mile markers on our journey of grace. And so we do not believe that if you are over here and you're sanctified, that you are holier than thou that, that, that is down here that just found, accepted Christ last week. Because, see, I, I like to think of, of holiness as this journey of grace and not this tower in which we're climbing. All we care about is that we're on the journey. As I said, we, we don't believe that we will never sin again. And just, just because we're filled with the Spirit does not mean we can just let our guard down and say, all right, I'm good. But we've got to stay filled with the Spirit. We have to continue to go back to the living water and say, something has to fill me. And if I'm not actually participating in what is filling me, then it's gonna, something is going to happen to me rather than something that I'm deciding in. And so we, we do believe that, that sanctified people can sin and sanctified people still need forgiveness and sanctified people need redemption. And we don't believe that we're just immune to sin. If you ever hear somebody start to talk language like that they, that, that they can't sin, ugh. That's how my dad would have said that sentence. Ugh. That, that's not, not, not what sanctification is about at all. Okay, so I really don't want to bore you, but this, this, this is good if you, if you listen well to what, what, what is in the manual. Uh, in, in the year and a half that I've been senior pastor, I don't think I've read out of the manual in a sermon, so it's about time we just read it. I'm not going to read all of this, but I want to just walk through this for just a moment here. We believe that sanctification is the work of God which transformed believers into the likeness of Christ. It's wrought by God's grace through the Holy Spirit in initial sanctification or regeneration simultaneous with justification, a.k.a. salvation. So what we talked about last week, initial sanctification, regeneration, salvation, all the other Asians, whatever you want to call it, that's, that's that first mile marker we talked about. Entire sanctification and the continued perfecting work of the Holy Spirit culminating in glorification. So glorification is that mile marker way on the end of our journey when we see Christ face to face. Um, according to the next one, we'll, we believe that entire sanctification is that act of God subsequent to regeneration, meaning it, it comes after we're, we accept Christ, by which believers are made free from original sin or depravity, same things, original sin, depravity, and brought into a state of entire devotement to God in the holy obedience of love made perfect. Perfect love is only possible through the Spirit. It is wrought, please don't lose me here, this is good, this is really good stuff, uh, and I'll, I'll hopefully do it some justice after this and, and, and we'll all be blessed. But it is wrought by the baptism with the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Spirit. It's all about the Spirit. And comprehends in one experience the cleansing of the heart from sin and the abiding dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, empowering the believer for li a life of, and service. Entire sanctification is provided by the blood of Jesus, is wrought instantaneously by grace through faith, preceded by entire consecration, and to this work and state of grace, the Holy Spirit bears witness. Don't lose me. This experience is also known by various terms representing uh, its different phases, such as Christian perfection, perfect love, heart unity, the baptism with or infilling of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the blessing, and Christian holiness. 
So, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? It's good. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, receive it. It's the whole point of the series, that we're to receive it. So let me, let me walk through again what, what I just read in a nutshell. So we believe, number one, that it is by grace that we are saved and by what we call prevenient grace. That there's grace on our journey before we even knew our journey had begun. And so there's the prevenient grace of... I need to pick a side, so we'll go from this way to that way. So down here, we might think that our journey began here, but there's this endless line of prevenient grace that goes back to the beginning. And so all the way back there, long before I was born, in the beginning was the word... And there was grace, because the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And so, so we've got grace before we even come to recognize what it is. That's called provenient grace, the grace that goes before. And so then we get to this mile marker that we call salvation, where we recognize the grace of God and we accept it. And we say, oh man, that water tastes good. This living water that will never run dry, that's what I want. And so after that, we, we realize that, okay, so now we're, we're, we have salvation. We've, we've begun to drink of the water, and we recognize that the, the world is still out there, that things are still going on, and that, that now I might have more questions now than I did before I received this grace. Because now I just, man, I, I, I'm saved from something, but I'm saved for something, and what does this mean? How, how do I do this? And so that's why we believe in this second work of grace. Now, I, I, I think I've shared this before, but I've heard pastors and I've, I've heard people say, I went down to the altar and, the, and God saved me and I went back to my seat and I went back to the altar and God sanctified me. Sure, that, that, yeah, that, that can happen. Sometimes this journey from sal- salvation to sanctification could be 50 years. It's not that this person that, that has accepted the grace of God is just, uh, is again, lower on the totem pole, or, or, but, but we recognize that the Holy Spirit now wants to infill fully what the water has begun to fill. And so, so we have this second work of grace called sanctification, which I just read a lot of words about, which initially says, more of you, less of me, all of you, none of me. It doesn't free us from personal sin, but thanks be to God, it frees us from the guilt and the shame of original sin that, that we just seem, that just seems to have a grip on us when we're over here in our journey. That guilt. And then glorification is way down here uh, at some point whenever we die and we see Christ face to face and we're transformed in, in, in the twinkling of an eye. So I, I would just share my story of, of sanctification. And because the, we've, we've shared a lot of words, and, 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 and I want us to see here that, that what Jesus is doing is saying, you guys have walked with me. These disciples have been here on this journey in, in this, this middle. This, they've, they've received salvation. They've begun to see he's the Messiah. Okay, we're in. And Jesus is now saying, all right, just because you're in doesn't mean you can get comfortable. Here's some power. I'm going to fill you, and you're going to be set apart from my work. 
when I was, so my, if you don't know, I grew up in, in, in the house of a Nazarene pastor. My dad accepted the call to ministry when I was probably like four years old. And, and so I've, I've always heard these terms and these words and sanctification, glorification. I've heard about salvation. I, I accepted Christ before I even remember. Lauren apparently led me to Jesus at, at our uh, coffee table. Don't even remember it. Just God has just always been in, for me. And, and I know some of you are like that. You, you'd say, I just, I, I don't remember a time before praying and, and, and being uh, in relationship with God. Well, so that, that, that was kind of my salvation moment, if you will, and, and I just continued to grow in that. And um, in, in seventh grade, I left Milledgeville, and we went to Manchester, and, and we were in the moving van, and my, my mom, I know I was in the car with my mom, and I said, Mom, I think I want to help at this church. I'm going into seventh grade. I think I want to help at this church, but I do not want to sing. I do not want to sing anything but that. She said, okay, okay. So then uh, I'm, we moved to a small town, and, you know, I'm miserable for a little bit. And then, then just I began to find this home in this just this place that I love. And, and, and God begins to just pour out immense blessings. So, so we had, uh, my dad was the pastor and, and the only staff member there. And some Wednesday nights we'd have 40 teens there. And my dad was te- leading the youth group and, and preaching on Sundays and teaching Sunday school. And, uh, we had uh, revival services break out in the middle of school days at FCA services that, that I had an opportunity to lead and, and people just coming and accepting Jesus. We had a Bible study that, that met in a, a Chinese restaurant and we didn't allow, allow adults to come because we just we wanted to do it and we did it. It, it started at 6.15 a.m. on Monday mornings before school at McDonald's in town. And, and then we decided, hey, let's do it again. So then we started on Thursdays doing it at 6.15 p.m. at this Chinese restaurant. Because one of the guys that went in the group, his parents ran the restaurant, so we couldn't come. So we said, we'll just come to you. So we would pack sometimes 40 teenagers in this Chinese restaurant. And just, we would sit around with guitars and we would sing. We'd open scripture and we'd read the word of God. And it was incredible. I wish I could go back to it and just take pictures and videos. It was insane. And those teens were from all the churches in town. We just began to all get together and meet. And we all knew each other. It was a small town. And, uh, and so then when I was 16, I started leading worship in the local church as part of a rotation. I was playing drums. I was ministering and, and didn't really even know it, but that's what I was doing. And so I, the, the time came, and, and I graduated from high school. And I knew that I wanted to go to Trevecca, and I wanted to study worship ministry uh, because I just I knew that I was called to ministry. Worship was just the cool thing to do uh, because you get to you know play instruments and whatnot. And so the summer before I left for Trevecca, things began to change. You, you all you remember this? You've graduated high school, and your friends are slowly moving and and going, and you realize, hey, you're. You're going to, to Troy, and, and, and you're going to West Georgia, and you're going here, and I'm going there. This is about to be very different. And, and some things, some relationships in my life changed, and friends were leaving, and, and I vividly remember it was a weeknight on my knees in my bedroom, 
and I didn't even know what to call it. As a lifelong Nazarene, I didn't know what to call it. But I said, God, I, everything's changing. I'm scared. But boy, I, 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 there's nothing more I want to do than this journey with you. And so I didn't know it until months later, but that night I believe I was sanctified in my bedroom without a pastor or anybody there to, to do it for me because what I was doing in this time, as I was doing all that ministering and in leading people to Jesus, you know what was happening? I was laying at bed at night and I, I just had this guilt I would lay in bed at night and think of all the missed opportunities I had that day. I would lay in bed at night and think, man, only 80 people came down to FCA today to receive Jesus, but there was 300 there. What did we do wrong for that other 220? I, I would sit around and I'd think, man, I messed up again. I messed up again. I'm just letting God down. I'm sinning all over the place. I just feel like something's got to give. And I can look back now, even though I didn't realize that's what was happening, I can look back now and say, in that moment, the guilt was gone. The Spirit filled me and said, there is work to do, and I'm going to empower you to do it. You've got to be a good, a good steward, and you've got to be faithful with it. But all that just guilt and frustration and, and wondering and, and questioning, it just was at peace. And God said, for those that are sanctified, we are not to live in this bond of guilt and sin and shame. We are to live in the freedom of Christ. And I think so often we walk around still in bondage of sin, even though we've accepted salvation. We, we sit at home and we just think, man, I'm not good enough. We get home from a great church service and we just feel like we were the dirty one in the room messing everything up. But there's more. That, that living water that we talked about, that will never run out, there's more of it over here for you. And so, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've been sanctified. Sanctification does happen. I can point to that night in my life. And I can look back and I can say, God, you filled me there and I'm so thankful for that. But you better believe that God has done work in me since that day. Sanctification continues. It continues on. And every day we better be praying, God, sanctify me. Set me apart for the things that you would have me to do. The things of the world are overwhelming, but set me apart, God. Don't let me use this power you've given me for anything but what will get me to the, to the end of my journey with you as, as faithful servants. I want to point out one more thing from our scripture this morning. In that text it lists all the disciples and you know who was there a man named Judas who was at this part of his journey right here did God sanctify Judas that day did Jesus empower Judas to, to do the work of God yes Lord help us For, the, for when we think, oh, I, I got to this mile marker in my journey. Because we believe as Wesleyans, 
that we can go right on back down that road. As Bill McCumber would say, it's not as, as, as easy as we think it is, but we can do it. We can turn back, and we can... But even Judas received the power to heal, to raise the dead. And you know what? He did it for a little while. And then back to week one, he became a poor steward of what God had given him. When we get a little power, we start to think, just like Adam and Eve at the, at the, at the tree, I do this God thing. Even as sanctified people, we've got to pray every day that we don't get this God complex. That, oh, I'm full of the Spirit. So I can tell you what to do, and I can tell you what to do, and I can tell you what to do, and I'm full of the Spirit. What it means to be sanctified is that we are full of the Spirit, set apart for the work of God in the world. Sanctified people don't dwell on what could have been but we glory in what is to come. Sanctified people look to the future with a hopeful imagination and know that God will be there just like God has always been, no matter what it looks like. Sanctified people aren't perfect, but sanctified people do not let their mistakes and slip-ups define who they are because God has defined that for us. think what the world needs today it's not just a church that believes in Jesus but what the world needs today is a church that has been filled with the Holy Spirit sanctified and set apart and said the only thing we're using this power for is to fulfill the call of God in, in our community my prayer that we would be good stewards of that as individuals and as a church because God sanctifies us but he sanctifies this body too just like the, the disciples as a group he sanctified in the mount God is sanctifying us even now and calling us into newness well Karen would you come and, and just play something I, I, I don't really know how else to end this but just to say man if, if you've been living in this section of your relationship with God and 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 you're saying there's got to be more there's there's got to this guilt and stuff that's not Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to walk around in guilt <laughs> but Jesus died so that we could live in freedom and maybe you were sanctified years ago and you can point back to that day much like I can and you can say man the spirit filled me there but I have not been a good steward of that, and I just need to get back to that. This whole road is a journey of grace, which means there's enough grace for you and for me, for every person in this room today. So I encourage you, if you need to, come and pray. As we just spend a moment in reflection and ask that the, that the Spirit would move in our hearts.
Lord, I've said a lot of words today. Don't let my words get in the way of, of what you want to do and, 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 and how you want this to be received, Father. Lord, we thank you that you didn't just save us and then throw us out there to, to, to get busy. But you offer us the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Father, some of us get frustrated in our walks because we feel like we're just getting around. We, we feel like we're just weak. Father, strengthen us today by the power of your Spirit. Sanctify us to be your unique people in the world. And Lord, the, the marks of sanctification look like exactly what you called the disciples to do. healing, raising the dead, but ministering to the people around us, not hoarding what you've given us, this power for ourselves, but just going out because we freely received and we want to freely give it. Father, for the, the, anyone in here that just lays in bed at night struggling with with feelings of guilt and shame and, and what ifs, Lord, would your spirit just fill them and, and help them to live into the freedom that you offer us. God, for anyone in here that was sanctified years ago and just says, Lord, where is the spirit now? May you fill them again and anew and afresh. Because there's room for forgiveness and redemption at every step of the road on this journey of grace. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the ultimate giver and, and you've called us to receive and to receive well. God, help us to continue to do that. It seems like I pray this same prayer every Sunday, but, but that, that, that's what we're needing to do in this season is to learn how to receive so that we could better give. So Lord, Help us know what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. Help us to know the source of where salvation comes from. God, help us to know that you are calling us to be set apart, filled with your spirit, to be about your work in the world. Forgive us for the ways we failed that. We repent of those ways. We ask that you would show us the way forward and what faith looks like in the lives of a holy, sanctified people. We ask all this in the wonderful, loving name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, as you go today, again, I think the, the outreach challenge kind of preached itself this morning. We're not set apart to go home and sit on the couch and feel good about it. But God gave the disciples power to go and to minister. So today, would you go from this place and may the God of all peace sanctify you through and through to be about the work of Him in the world. Would you go in His grace and peace today? Amen.